hello, hello, and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 29 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and today I'm here with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how's it going today? It's not bad, man. Halfway through the week, uh, two days left till Friday, and Pirates won a series against the Braves, so... Anytime that's happening, uh, that's always a good day in my book. So, yeah, good day, man. How about you? Pretty good myself. Yeah, like you said, two out of three against the Braves. The Pirates are, uh, they didn't play well today, but uh, three straight wins before today's loss. You'll take that, even if they were wrapped around seven losses, including a six-game losing streak. Last time we talked... The Pirates were coming off of a really nice road series win at the Cardinals. And then, uh, you know, they lost three straight at the Rockies. Yeah, we previewed that. Uh, They lost three straight at the Rockies, lost three out of four at home against the Brewers. And then just now they took two out of three versus the Braves at home with the Mets on deck. We're going to recap that a little bit here, and uh, we're going to get into some draft talk after but uh any quick thoughts on this series jake that you'd like to share or the brewer series take your pick i'll start with this one i was baffled to say the least but i mean it just doesn't make any sense we take one of four from the brewers uh you know somewhat in comparison of a more of a lesser quality team when compared to the braves and then we come out the first game against the braves we put up over 10 runs we win yeah. the next night on a walk-off walk. We fool their pitchers so badly. And, I mean, yeah, the third day, third day loss, you know, it, you give and take. I'll take a two-and-one series win rather than a one-to-two series loss or getting swept. Um, so I was really impressed with the series. If those who are following me on Twitter, and I know Nathan and Jeremy have been hearing from me a lot, I am declaring today that I am officially a John Nagowski stan. And I don't care how bad this guy gets. He could be DFA'd tomorrow for all I care. I am a John Nagowski stan. Polsky Dolan, the Polish pride rolling through the Berg. I love him so much. Um, but we lost the positive. Let's go to the bad side um, with the Brewers. Yeah, tough break. I mean, we did take a 2 nothing win on Sunday. Tyler Anderson looked a lot better. Um, I thought all around the Pirates looked a lot better on Sunday. It's just weird. It's like all of a sudden the snap of, of a finger. They can look like a completely different team, somewhat competitive, and then the next day, they look like they are in the middle of last year's tank again. It makes no sense, but, I mean, it's good that we bounced back like we did against the Braves. I honestly thought we were going to get swept, but they really proved me wrong, and I was very impressed with the Braves series. Brewers series, I think you're com- I mean, you're coming off a loss to the Rockies, a, se- a sweep of that, so you're going to have some jet lag, but they- I think they rebounded very, very well against the yeah, I agree. It was a nice series. Uh, besides today, the pitching really has looked pretty nice during their three-game win streak. Um, yeah, John Nagowski, four for five today. Four hits. Uh, he has been really nice in the, you know, three games or so that he's been with the Pirates. And, hey, I'll take it anywhere I can. Ben Gamble as well has been really hot lately and it it is funny um monday they did score 11 runs and it looked really really awesome but i mean other than that in their past 10 games they've scored 
less than two runs every other time except once today. You know, they scored three runs. But offense still as a whole doesn't look great. But there are some signs. Uh, Brian Hayes is starting to find his swing again after a little mini slump. He looked pretty nice in this Brave series. You know, Adam Frazier continues to hit. Um, Reynolds continues to be great. Even Stallings today, you know, he's been – He's been cold lately, but he hit a three-run shot today. The Pirates' only offense. But, yeah, I mean, not not a lot still, but it's okay. Uh, Rodolfo Castro came up. He had that big walk to lead off the ninth last night in, as as you said, one of the uh, biggest meltdowns from, from a pitcher that I've seen from Atlanta. And the Pirates got the win via the walk-off shrimp. So that was nice. But, uh, yeah, you know. Pirates at 32 and 54, and they now play the Mets for seven straight games. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, pretty nice series win today. It was the bullpen. I mean, they they just got lit up. Kyle Crick started it in the sixth, gave up two walks, four earned runs, two hits. Uh, Chase and Shreve wasn't that great either. Two walks from him, two walks from Kyle Keller. As a whole, the Pirates walked eight hitters on the Braves today. Dwayne Underwood Jr. just got annihilated, gave up eight hits in one inning, including seven earned runs. That is just – that's pretty insane to do, in my opinion. His ERA bubbled all the way up to 486 at this point. But, uh, hey, our guy, Nagowski, pitched an inning. <laughs> and he was a perfect <laughs> inning, too. I love it. Inning. He did give up a hit, yes, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's been doing it all. I, the thing I like about him, he's the rare uh, right-handed hitting, left-handed throwing ball player there at first base. And I will say, from what I saw with the glove at first base, he looked pretty nice over there. Um, fielding and, of course, you know, the hitting. He came so close to hitting a dinger last night. Uh, he hit – it was just foul. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was like – what, one for 18 with the Cardinals, and with the Pirates, he had, you know, seven or eight hits, four hits today, and he he's looked he's he's looked really nice. All of his hits have been singles, but hey, we'll take we'll take any offense we can get, and he's been a fun little story over the past few days, and he's gonna keep getting that playing time. I mean, Moran's out, so he he's the guy. It's it is. It is kind of sad on one hand that, you know, they brought him over because Will Craig, a former first-round pick, is pretty incapable of being, you know, productive whatsoever. But, hey, Nagowski, the big Nagowski, he's our guy, and we'll see how long this 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 wave can ride. Yeah, I I have nothing else to say about Nagowski. Y'all know how much I love him. If you don't, please go look at my Twitter. Well, first of all, the name itself, the John Nagowski Stan account. But if you look at my tweets over the last few days, that's all it's been talking about. I mean, you, you mentioned it. He came over, I think, hitting under 100, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and now he's up to great. 264. I don't right. know if it's because of the welcome that he got from the Pittsburgh crowd that fueled him, or it's just that uh, typical change of scenery that really worked for him. But I give him all the credit in the world. He's looked great. You have no idea how fast I shot up when he hit that long foul ball late last mm-hmm. night. <laughs> I seriously thought that everything came true. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to book it. Then I'm going to get my jersey of Nagowski here soon. But 
aside from him, I thought the team all around looked good. Key Brian Hayes, you mentioned it, is back hitting again. I also want to credit the offense for being more patient at the plate. It seemed like this series all around, and this is a big change from the Brewer series, they looked more disciplined at the plate, almost like they weren't looking for a pitch to hit. Like They knew that these pitchers were going to screw up, and I have to credit Rodolfo Castro a little bit because Castro, coming up from double-A after being on an offensive tear, staying up at the plate and being as disciplined as he was last night, that's not an easy thing to do, whether you come up from AAA or directly from AA in the rare circumstance like Castor did. He sat there and took that walk like a champ. He wasn't trying to be the playmaker. He wasn't trying to be the MVP of the evening. He was looking to help his team any way he can. And that's all you can really ask for. And him, Frazier, hell, even Cole Tucker, who got a hit the other night, that's something we don't see. They were all yeah. very patient at the plate. They weren't hacking at everything they saw. Yeah, he had a few strikeouts here and there, but at the same time, they just look so disciplined, so composed up there against the Braves starting and relief pitching. It was just absolutely amazing. The defense flawless yet again. Cole Tucker, I think, even played first today when Nagalski pitched, and that was something yeah. I didn't know. But, I mean, I give him credit. They just they were experimenting. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all I got to say. I was very impressed with this Braves. Yeah, it was a nice little two out of three for the Pirates. And another underrated thing about Nagowski, number 69, super nice, nice. number. And he's only 12 at-bats in. He does have seven hits in 12 at-bats with the Pirates. So, like I said, like we said, it's only three games. And we'll see, we'll see just what happens. But these three games have been fun to see him do well. And uh, I, I kind of hope. I mean, I don't, I don't expect much for a very long time, but we'll see. You never know. You never know. Uh, any, any last thoughts on, on these games before we switch on over and talk to some MLB draft? I have a good amount that I'd like to talk about with that. Yeah, I'll just keep it short. I hope that we keep this momentum. I know we got a, an off day on Thursday before we hit uh, Flushing or Queens, but at the same time, I hope we keep this momentum that we built up with the Brave series um into new york uh i know we faced Degrom one of the days our main focus has just got to be simplicity put bat on ball ball and glove you know just keep it simple there's no reason to try and overdo it you're not going to win the title this year don't try to sweep the mets in four because that is just impossible so just keep it simple try to get a win maybe two and walk out into the all-star break on a high note whether it be on a winning or and, hey, that is the Pirates' way. Uh, if you remember, the Pirates always do seem to make noise right before the All-Star break and get fans excited, especially in those contending years. But uh might be a little different. I do have to correct you, though. The Pirates do play tomorrow at the Mets. It's actually a four-game for the break. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they will get DeGrom. They will definitely get DeGrom on the Flip end of it, I would assume, because DeGrom, I believe, is skipping out on the All-Star game this season to spend some time with family. But, uh, yeah, seven straight against them. Tomorrow we got JT Brubaker against Taiwan Walker. Walker, who has just been amazing. Um, that'll be tough. Friday, uh, there's not a listed starter for the Pirates. Maybe that's maybe that's Cody Ponce. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they bring up Krennic. We'll see. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not even sure. I think it's been ten days, but there's no one listed there. He'll pose Marcus Stroman, and then Saturday the Pirates have Tyler Anderson. Sunday they have Chase DeYoung. So we'll see what happens in these four games at the Mets. But uh, yeah, I mean, like like I've kind of 
said, I said this at the beginning of the year, the Pirates are at least, you know, watchable. And there have been some really hard stretches. You know, the 10-game losing streak was tough. Even this even this six-game losing streak uh, basically last week was tough. But whenever they find ways to win, it, it's kind of fun at times. And, uh, you know, they have two all-stars. We should give Adam Frazier a shout-out, the starting second baseman for the NL All-Star team. And we should also give Brian Reynolds some credit because he is also an All-Star. So, I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that the Pirates were going to have more than one All-Star rep, I would have been pretty surprised. But here we are. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty nice. And we'll see what they do with these four games and then the three games after and then the second half in general. But, uh, yeah, it's always nice to take two out of three against a team that is way, 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 way more talented than you, even if they have been struggling basically all season long. But, hey, we'll take anything we can get as Pirates fans this season. Yeah, totally. I mean, we all knew we weren't going to contend this year, so it is what it is. Get wins when we can and enjoy the hell out of them. Heck, yeah. So, all right, we'll switch over to the draft now as we all know the pirates have the number one overall pick the draft starts sunday runs through tuesday we'll have to figure out when we uh recap the draft whether how we want to do that but that's a little behind the scenes there starts sunday 20 rounds this season and i think tell me tell me if you disagree but um I think the Pirates, I think it's down to four players right now. Ben Sherrington, I will say he's been holding his cards extremely close to the vest. He's telling the press, even now, we don't know who we're going to take. We're meeting with seven or eight guys, blah, 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 blah. But if I had to guess, it's between, and I think the favorite at this point, you know, just looking at all the mocks and all that and what a lot of the experts, quote, unquote, have to say about these prospects. I think Marcelo Mayer is the favorite right now, the high school shortstop out of uh, Eastlake, California. Bats left, throws right. I think it's between him. I think he's the favorite right now. But the other three that I would, you know, think maybe, Jack Leiter, still think he's on the table. We'll see. I'm not sure. Perhaps Jordan Lawler, the other high school shortstop. Looking at this draft, there's a lot of high school shortstops in, like, the top, you know, 10 or, or whatever. But I think Jordan Lawler is the other one. And then I think Henry Davis is the other option, the fourth one, if I had to guess. But, uh, you know, there are other names. There's Khalil Watson, another high school shortstop. There's still, obviously, Kumar Rocker, the other Vandy right-handed pitcher. You know, there's another high school shortstop, Brady House. I don't know. I think it's going to be Mayer, though. What, do you, what are you thinking right now at this moment in time? I've swallowed the tough pill that Marcelo Mayer is going to be picked first. Not because I don't doubt Mayer's ability, but, I mean, in recent episodes I've expressed how I don't think the pitcher, or the Pirates should go with another middle infielder considering our, our, our plate there is so full in the organization. But, you know, it's just become one of those things where everybody's saying it. It's. It looks like it's heading that way, like you said. I don't see them steering off from it. The only person I could see them possibly going after other than Mayer 
is probably Henry Davis, just because I think the catching depth in our organization is just so wrung out right now that I think a catcher would do us well. But if I had to put all my cards on one player, it would be Marcelo Mayer. I mean, the kid hits a lot. He's a good defensive shortstop. Um, and if the, if if everybody who is saying that we are going to be overhauling our short our middle infield depth and turn the majority of them into different sort of fielders, whether it be outfield or just somewhere else on the infield, then I guess Mayer would be the good option. I know uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports reported that Jordan Lawler visited with the Pirates. Yeah, I, uh, I, I actually got his uh, agent's number from his high school, uh, but unfortunately couldn't get in contact with him. No surprise there, mm-hmm. but. Um, I don't think they'd go with Walt Lawler, not saying he's not a viable option, but I think Marcella Mayer just has more of a quote-unquote ceiling, if you will, uh, or at least more potential, whereas Lawler, he's got potential, just not as much as Mayer does. Davis, I think, is a viable option if they go with him. Um, I wouldn't be too upset. He's a good hitting catcher with good defense. He's all, if I were to compare him to somebody, I think he'd be the next Adley Rushman, maybe, uh, pre, pre-double-A, I should say. Uh, I don't think he's doing too well in double A right now. I have to check on that. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to go with lighter. I hate saying that. I really do. I love lighter. I wish they'd go with him, but I, I just think that this is going to be something that they choke on. They don't, they're not going to pick lighter. He's going to go to a different team, excel there. And I think one day he's going to know hit the pirates. Um, <laughs> I, I really do. I, that's just my true feeling. But, and, and honestly, with all the mocks, like you said, everybody's predicting Mayer to go to the Pirates. I have to just swallow this pill that's tough to swallow and just say that he's going to be a Pirate, unfortunately. I will say I'm, I'm starting to sell myself on Mayer. And whenever they make the selection, I will officially grab the pom-poms and sell hard on Mayer and uh, tell myself that he's the right guy and they made the right choice all along. I will say... You know, some of the comps that they have to him, some some people have comped him to, like, Corey Seager, you know, 6'3", left-handed bats. Looking at, like, some of the scouting grades, he's just – he's in – he's either a 50 to 60 in basically everything. He doesn't have one super-duper tool, but he doesn't have any deficiencies either. He's just pretty solid all around. And hopefully, you know, being that he is 6'3", Hopefully he fills out a little bit, maybe develops some power, keeps the hit toll, and, you know, is obviously able to stay at shortstop, be a solid fielder, solid runner. And, I mean, we'll see what happens. He, he is 18. He is a high school bat. So I'm, I'm all right with that if they do take him. I still, I still think Leiter is going to be really great. Um, I, I don't understand why he – perhaps because he's a pitcher, but I don't understand why his stock is, like, dropped honestly but uh i think i think lighter has ace stuff you know the mid to high 90s fastball the awesome slider and curveball change up that he's you know it's a work in progress it's not the best right now but i just uh i think he's gonna be great when it comes to henry davis i do kind of disagree i don't think he's in the adley rutschman uh stratosphere to be honest whenever i see him he does. I don't know if people have said this. People have probably said this, but he gives me Evan Gaddis vibes just because he's got the, he's got his hands are loud at the plate when he's hitting, and uh, he does have a, a lot of power, and he does you know he can crush the baseball. But I will say, unlike Gaddis, 
I think Henry Davis, I mean, you, you look at the reports, he is much, much better defensively. His arm is really, really good. He is going to throw out a ton of runners um, as a major leaguer, and he's he's pretty decent, you know, receiving the ball and whatnot. But I just think with Henry Davis, I think he has a chance to be a guy that just doesn't hit for enough average, although I did read, too, that his on-base skills are pretty solid, but Watching him hit the hitch and the swing just kind of worries me, and I don't I don't know if he'll like maybe he's only like a two hundred hitter or something in the majors with you know twenty home run power, but I think I think Mayer is probably the safest pick if the Pirates choose to go position player. And hey, I will say nobody knows what the Pirates are going to do. If anyone claims to know what the Pirates are going to do, they're full of it because they have been really, really, they've been really good about, you know, not leaking anything. And Sherrington's been really great at giving vague answers. Even today he spoke and he said, you know, we're just, we have conversations, but we're going to have conversations up until the draft, like blah, 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 blah. We're going to debate. We're going to, we're going to disagree. We're going to state our case. Just, you know, typical GM talk. But I I do I don't I don't know if they've made a decision yet, and they're just saying they haven't. I'm not sure. I don't know what you think about that. But either way, like it's it might be Mayor, but if it's not, I wouldn't be surprised either. Uh, do, do you think that Sherrington and company? Do you think they've made a decision yet, or do you think they're still hammering out those last second details? You know, they're still talking to players. What do you think? Do you think they're almost sold? Or, I don't know. I want to hear your opinion. I would say they're almost sold. I think there's just a few kinks they still need to work out. Um, 1-1 is the hardest pick in the draft. Whether No matter what sport it is. I'm going to get to that in a second. Maybe except football. Football, I feel like it's a lot easier to pick that. But I I think baseball is the hardest one to have the first overall pick for. Um, And I think if they already made up their mind, they wouldn't have had Lawler visit, what, earlier this week or something, maybe late last week. I think if they made up their mind, they would have just made it up already. So I, I think Charrington's right. I think honestly that they are not yet. I, I don't think. I think it's going to come down to that very last second on the clock until they realize who the hell they want. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, this is a tough thing to do. I mean, you're predicting your future almost. And in baseball, you don't know who's going to turn out. Like football, you can at least somewhat compare what you know what players are who, or you know you draft for immediate need. There, these guys are going to be brought up here in the years to come. And you don't know how they're going to turn out. Like you said, Henry Davis, you don't know if he's going to turn out to be a 200 hitter. He could, he very well could, his knees could give out. He could be one year and done, but Marcelo yeah. Mayer could also be a, a flop. We don't know that. And mm-hmm. I think Sherrington is trying to take as much time as possible in order to pick out the right player. I do want, before I send it back to you, I want to make a hot take and get the people talking since that seems to be what I get people doing on this. Heck yeah. Site, is get people talking. If the Pirates don't go with Marcelo Mayer, I don't think they're going to go with Lawler. I don't think they're going to go with Leiter. I think they're going to go with a pitcher. It's going oh. to be Will Bednar. It, <laughs> I mean, that's funny. I thought you were going to say uh, Jackson Job, the prep pitcher. Uh, I, I, I really would. I so would. But I, I see him dropping a little bit lower and maybe the top 10 picks, but definitely I don't think he's going 1-1. I say Bednar because of his performance in the College World Series. I mean, no hit or six no-hit innings in the final game against probably arguably one of the best schools in baseball. 
I think I think that got a lot of people talking, and I think with that connection with David on the team, I wouldn't rule out Will Bednar as a scenario. I don't want it to happen. I really don't. But I think if they don't go Marcelo Mayer, that's the next person they're going to go after. I will say I think you're crazy. I don't think there's a chance Bednar's one one. <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this. Uh, his stock has risen because there was a time, you know, the Pirates have the 37th pick, which is the first pick of the second round, I believe, after all the first round comp picks. And I, I held out some hope. I was like, maybe Bednar falls to 37 and the Pirates can snatch him up. But just looking at some mocks right now, I'm looking at the Fangraphs latest mock they have. They have Bednar going 20th overall to the Yankees. So, I did hold out hope that maybe Bednar could slide down, but it, it does look like, I mean, I'm joking. You're not complete, completely crazy. He's going to be a first-round pick, and he's definitely a first-round talent. And there is definitely a universe where Will Bednar, you know, ends up being one of the best pitchers in this draft. But, uh, yeah, I am sad. I kind of I was hoping for a time there that he could fall to the Pirates at 37, but it's looking like he's going to be – solidly in the first round. Yeah, I, I don't mean to sound like a buffoon, but I, I think it would be funny to just get the rough I mean, honestly, if they didn't, whatever. Like, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and that's why you said it. You said picking first in baseball is the hardest professional first pick to make. And I actually did some research here. I looked at every number one overall pick – from 2020 all the way back to 1995. And we're going to go through them quickly. And um, I just want to ask you a few questions before. So first overall pick, let's say that's 60 war. And I used F war. I just kind of default to fan graphs war. Let's say 60 F war is a borderline hall of famer for a career. What do you think is an acceptable mark for a number one overall pick? Because I have a number, I just want to see what you have to say for the career. F four for their career, like projecting their career or where they've been so far. I'm kind of confused on what you. No, no, no. Like at the end of the day, you take someone first overall. Where do you think they should be at the end of their career? Where should their war? What would be a success? What would deem their career successful? What number war? Oh boy, I would probably go anywhere from maybe. 38 to 45, I would say. Okay, that's a good number. I I mean, I, I went a little lower. I, just to be, honestly, just to be nice, I said 30 war would de- deem a successful career for a first overall pick. Because if you think about it, you know, 10 years maybe averaging three war, that's, that's a good player. It's not quite an all-star, but I mean, it's a good player. You're probably more right saying 38 to 45 if you have the first overall pick. But I went through and I just I just kind of looked at it. So I'll just go through quickly in uh, from 2020 down. So 2020, Spencer, Spencer Torkelson. Obviously, these first few years, it's, it's to be determined. Um, so Torkelson right now is the number three overall prospect, according to MLB. We don't know about him. 2019, Adley Rutschman was the first overall pick. He's actually the second overall prospect, according to MLB. We don't know. Casey Mize, he's been pitching pretty decent this year, but that's still to be determined. That's 2018. 2017, Royce Lewis. He's actually the 13th best prospect, according to MLB. We don't know. 2016, it was Mickey Moniak. He's been struggling this year. 
to be determined. 2015, this is where we kind of start to see some, you know, solidified first overall picks. 2015 was actually Dansby Swanson. I still think it's to be determined. His career F4 at this point is 6.5, but, you know, he's still really young. Um, so I would say I would say all of those picks, just being, you know, optimistic, especially with uh, Torgelson, Rutschman, Mize, probably Lewis, maybe Swanson. I would say all of those first overall picks have a chance to get at least 30 F4. Would you, would you agree or would you disagree? Um, I would, I would, I would agree with you. I think they have that potential. Um, especially Mize, I would say maybe Torkelson too. Maybe I just haven't seen it too much of them, but right, right. Mize, I think, oh. I think it's safe to say. So maybe, maybe three out of those first six that we have totally no idea. I would say about three out of those six probably have a chance to have a quote unquote successful ish career, 30 or so war. I agree. So you go back to 2014, Brady Aiken, complete bust, hasn't pitched since 2019. 2013, Mark Capel, complete bust. He's 29 years old, and I think he's still trying to pitch. He's in the minors right now with uh, Philly, I believe. I think it's safe to say he's a complete bust unless a miracle happens, right? Yeah, yeah, I think. So we have two busts there. It gets better from there. 2012, Carlos Correa, 26 years old, 23.3 F war. I would say that's a successful pick. Do you agree? And then going through 2011, obviously Garrett Cool, 32.9 F war so far. He's 30, successful. 2010, Bryce Harper, he's 28, 38.9 F war. That's a success. He has a chance to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Steven Strasburg, he's 32, 36.6 F war success. So those four, that's a four-year string of really, really good uh, first overall picks with, I I mean, they're all going to end up having at least 30 war. They'll probably all end up getting to 40 F war, I would guess. Correa, maybe not. He's at 23.3. Only 26, though. But uh, I think he has a chance, too. So those are four good ones. Then 2008, it's Tim Beckham. Pretty much a bust. 4.4 career F war. He's in AAA right now. 2007, David Price, 35 years old, 42 F war. That's a success. Okay. So as you can kind of see, it's it starts off the past since since David Price, since 2007, the success rate, I would say, for first overall picks, pretty solid. Um, so with that, I mean, None of, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if none of those players weren't Hall of Famers. I think, I think Harper has the best chance to make the Hall of Fame. Maybe Garrett Cole, maybe Strasburg. I'm not sure. Uh, they're kind of borderline to me right now. But you know, so far though, there's no clear cut that guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So it, it's funny because you know the. Some of the media around here is saying the Pirates need to draft, you know, the next whatever, the next Hall of Famer. That it has to be like this is tough, right? Like, any thoughts on that so far? Well, I'll start with the whole success rate when it comes to drafting a one uh, one one. Um, I think 
it wasn't around when David Price drafted. Wasn't that the rise of advanced analytics? Like, hasn't that, how long has that been a major factor? I'd say, I know I picked up in the 2010s, but wasn't that like sort of the early days of advanced analytics when it came to David Price and so on? I would say so. Yeah, I, I would say that that's, that's definitely true. And then you got to think too, with Harper and Strasburg in back-to-back years, those were just straight up like generational they were the clear-cut number one pick, too. They were the obvious pick, if you will, where, you know, this year that's not the case. But, yeah, I would say 2007 or so, that's when that was kind of – I mean, Moneyball is the the infancy of it, you know, obviously like 2002 or whatever. But 2007, it kind of seemed like it's really starting to, you know, gain momentum until the big, the big splash in the early 2010s for sure. Okay, then – my impro- I, I think that with advanced analytics being the name of the game basically nowadays, I mean, it's a really hot trend. I mean, you use it. A lot of people use it. Our new writer, Austin, uses it. I think with advanced analytics on our side, I think that we have a safe bet when it comes to who we pick, especially if it's Marcelo Mayer because it seems to be he's the consensus here. So I think we're pretty safe no matter where we go, really. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think there was so much detail packed into that i think i'm just gonna keep it short i think whoever we go with i think advanced analytics will be on our side and i seriously think the uh pirates have a good shot at it oh the pittsburgh media that's right um (laughs) the whole we need to draft the new barry bonds okay let me ask these pittsburgh media moguls that includes you know maybe some who talk about sports on the side to the biggest sports moguls did we know that barry bonds is going to be barry bonds whenever we drafted him I don't believe so. If, yeah. if if we're talking about baseball, it's a hodgepodge no matter who you go. People can flop. People can succeed anytime. The guy, we've seen it before, the guy picked in the last round can succeed, and the guy in the first round could flop. You don't know who the hell the next Barry Bonds is with until you draft them and then you watch them progress. Like, saying we need to draft the next Barry Bonds, I think is a redundant statement because you don't know the next Barry Bonds. Okay, like, you look at football, and I, I use football a lot because it's another sport I analyze. And you look at who they draft, you can easily compare at, at, quarterback to quarterback. All right. You can easily compare those type of people because they have the same, you know, similar mechanics. Their patterns are more recognizable. Whereas in baseball, you can't predict that stuff. You can't compare that sort of thing. So drafting the next Barry Bonds is not as easy as you think. And I'm sorry, but if if you're a big top sports personality in Pittsburgh, especially that's saying that you are just doing it for clickbait and clout at that point, because there is no real way to say that we are going to draft the next Barry Bonds when we pick one one. There's just there, there's no way. I'm I'm sorry. I just I have to say that because I've been seeing it the past week. There is just it has been a thing. Um, yeah, I mean it, it. It you're right. I mean it's so hard to to uh, draft first overall and that's kind of the whole point of this exercise i just want to say i won't keep uh listing players here but basically so i went back to 95 and i looked at it so there was there were 10 players that uh they're retired out of those 26 or so they're retired they're not playing anymore and of those um of those 10 players the average f war was 18.7 for their career. So, you know, not just 
basically an 18.7 for your career. You you were a regular for a decent amount of time to be able to rack up that amount of war. Not a star, not a Hall of Famer by any means. You were just basically just a regular. Like, that's the average. And I'll say, too, of the 20 players that I think you could uh, definitively put a label on, whether they were successful or a bust, basically from 2014 all the way back to 1995, of those 20 players, eight of them are at or well on pace for at least 30 F4. So 40% are good players. Not Maybe not great. Some of them are great. Some of them do have a chance to make the Hall of Fame, including, you know, Joe Maurer was the first overall at in 2001. His career F4 is 52.5. He's a borderline-ish, maybe, Hall of Famer. And uh, he has the highest amount right now. I think, obviously, Bryce Harper and probably probably Garrett Cole, pr- maybe Correa. They're probably going to pass him up, but uh, he's the highest on the list. So eight players are at 30. Eight players are also under 10, and they're going to stay under 10. So I would say if you're under 10, you're the first overall pick. Under 10 war career-wise, you're a bust. So 40% good. 40% bust, and then the other four are in the 10 to 30 range. So, you know, those are the average players, the the regulars. You know, you have, it's funny, Chris Benson is on this list. He was the first overall pick in 1996, 14.8 career F4. Kind of a bust-ish. I don't know. You tell me. But it's just funny. Like, it's impossible to guarantee anything with any baseball pick and that is why there are so many damn rounds and I mean that's why like you have players that they can be drafted in the 20 whatever round even though there's only 20 rounds this year there's so many players and so many players develop so differently and it's really really freaking hard to get to the major leagues and even if you are the First overall pick in the draft, if you are the consensus, you know, you're the first guy out of hundreds and hundreds. There's like 600 plus selections in this draft. It's still not even a 50% guarantee that you're going to be good. And I'm like, Hall of Fame, I mean, Hall of Fame, asking any player to do that is obviously asinine. Like, there are obviously Hall of Fame players, but you can't predict that. You cannot guarantee that the first overall pick is going to even be an all-star if he's a good player if he has a career where he gets at least 30 war that is a success and only eight out of the last 20 well 20 years 95 to 2014 only eight cleared that mark so that's 40 percent. the success rate i guess i'm kind of rambling here but the success rate is extremely it's volatile so I really hope the Pirates make the right selection and whoever they take, I mean, they say they want to take the best player and I trust that. And I think Sherrington wants to do that and he wants to have a good draft though. That's the thing that people don't, that's the thing that people aren't talking enough about. They're focused on that one, one pick and yeah, it's huge, but at the end of the day, the Pirates need to have a good draft. They need to have a good Instead of, you know, having the best first overall pick, they need to have 10 guys in this draft that they pick that are freaking, like, studs. Maybe not studs, but, you know, add to the system 
add to the the players that just build up a system and therefore build up a team. So I don't know. The first overall pick's huge, but more importantly, even like I would rather have the Pirates have a really good draft where they select eight players that contribute to an MLB team than, you know, knock the first pick out of the park and then the rest of the picks suck, basically, is where I'm at. Yeah, and that's fair. And plus we gotta keep in mind the whole underslot value or the underslot price too. Like we can't we can't blow our load for lack of a better term of you know of, of cash on one player. And if we're gonna opt to take maybe the most expensive player in the draft and our, our rest of our draft's gonna suck, you gotta keep it keep that in mind too, like you said. You gotta keep the remaining rounds in mind while also getting that best value at one one. And you trust Charrington, I do too. He hasn't really given us a reason not to trust him yet. So I, I think until he starts screwing up drastically, I'm going to trust him with this draft. And I, I give him full confidence that he knows what he's doing and he's going to make the best pick. Exactly. And yeah, kind of uh, piggybacking on the whole slot value point. Major League Baseball, their drafts are different than basketball and, you know, football, obviously, because teams can kind of finagle and they can basically talk to these agents and, you know, say, hey, we're willing to give player X this amount, and that could talk another team out of not drafting him because they they don't want to pay that much. And it's there's a lot of finagling. There's a lot of there's there's just a lot of agent BS basically of getting players where they want to go. And it's I mean it's hard to make this pick for. A first round pick in general for a major league team because the fit's got to be there, the money's got to be right, and basically uh, the puzzle pieces need to fit into place. And I mean, I I feel like that's a pretty decent spot to wrap it up. And I mean, we're gonna be back talking about who they select and you know how the system looks post draft. But uh, any last thoughts here before we wrap up this kind of preview and basically who the Pirates are gonna take? Yeah, just a couple. You know, I'm going to summarize it up. Hope the Pirates do well against the Mets. I trust Charrington with who he's going to pick. I also want to address something that's been around Twitter the past few days. And sure. I've, seen, I've seen some people in the Twitter feud with uh, super genius, quote-unquote, Mark Madden about who qualifies as a real journalist, especially in the sports realm. Look, if you're going to put in the work to do it, like, say, we are, or I, I know uh, one of our guys at Behind the Steel Curtain, SB Nation Steelers podcast was – talking with him as well and mark madden's trying to like devalue them i'm gonna say this right now if you're gonna put in the work to at least try and make yourself you know learn more about the game with whatever you may cover you are a real sports journalist in my book as long as you aren't just sitting on your couch making random ass takes you know that don't make any sense i think if you're putting in the work you care about what you cover and you know you you're passionate like i said you're passionate about it you to me are a true sports journalist no matter how big or how small you may be, whether you're SB Nation, whether you are maybe top tier, or if you're just starting out. If you're starting out or if you're middle tier and you want to reach the top, keep going at it. Don't let people like Mark Madden try to put you down and make you think that you're not worth your value. Because I'll tell you what, sports journalism is a bitch to do. It really is. It's not an easy thing to do like a lot of things in this world. Keep pushing, all right? Mark Madden doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Don't listen to guys like him. Listen to the guys that push you forward. Do your thing, follow your dream, and kick ass at it. I'll just leave it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, um, 
Yeah, basically, I agree. It, it's tough to break into the uh, sports journalism business as a whole because there are a ton of people that want to do it. And it, it is really hard to uh, put out, you know, content that people want to consume. And it is pretty saturated right now. And it is really tough. But uh, hey, you know what they say? Cliche, cliche, hard work, baby. And uh, if... Uh, if you're trying to if you're trying to stick to it, stick to it. And yeah, don't let anyone tell you that you're nothing cuz obviously obviously if you're putting in the work, you're uh you're definitely you're definitely you definitely have at least some people following you and that's better than nothing. So just uh keep your nose down and keep doing it. That's what we're trying to do here with this podcast Talk the Plank episode 29 on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. Um, and we appreciate everyone that pretty much tunes in to listen to us. Cause it, I mean, it's, it's fun to do a podcast and it's even more fun when people listen. So, uh, we appreciate all of you, Jake, where can we follow you on Twitter? On Twitter, you can follow me at underscore radio Jake. If you see the name, John, um, John Nagowski Stan account, you've hit the right. Awesome. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore. Hirsch, H-U-R-S-H, and obviously follow Bucks Dugout at Bucks Dugout on Twitter. We will be back. Honestly, I'm thinking we'll be back after the draft because when does this series? So, well, no, yeah, the series is over on Sunday. So, well, actually, we could be back Sunday. We could be back Sunday and then probably doing another one after the draft a few days later. And then we'll probably have a little bit of a break until the Mets series after the All-Star break. So, Jake, we good for Sunday? Yeah, that sounds right. Good stuff. And we'll wait until after the first round of the draft. Or I'm not sure how many rounds they're actually doing on the first day. Probably, Probably a good amount. I should probably... I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. But we will recap the first day of the draft on Sunday as well as the Mets series. And then we'll recap the rest of the draft a few days later. And that will be awesome. Jake, thank you as always. Thank you for your takes. End of the day, the first overall pick is freaking hard to do. So don't expect the world, but hope that you get it. That's all I have to say. Jake? Damn right. Damn right. All we could do is hope as Pirates fans. We'll be back. Everyone, thank you for listening as always. And have a great rest of your day. Peace out, baby.